From the studios of Fractal Recording, this is The Mystic Show, episode 120. everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. My name is Chris Curran. I'm your host, and I'm happy you're able to join me. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation and consciousness and all things, well, not all things, but a lot of things unseen and otherworldly, right? So many of the important aspects of life are are very subtle and not obvious and it really helps when we can uh, really helps me and others when we talk about it and think about it and ponder it so the purpose of this show is very simple it's for you and I and everyone to grow spiritually to to be inspired to learn more to meditate more you know this is one big experiment upon ourselves right each of us is doing our own experiment on our own self, and, um, and that's the only way we can really progress. So we release new episodes of The Mystic Show every Friday morning, and you can hear the show as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and on our website, themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net, and you can also sign up for our behind-the-scenes emails, and guess what? The audio project that I was working on is finished, and it's been released. It's called Relax with Rumi. And everyone who is on the behind-the-scenes email list is able to get a copy of Relax with Rumi. It's three separate audio tracks. Well, really, it's four tracks, but the first one is just a little introduction by me. Then the next three tracks are... Really nice meditation music, and I read quotes by the 13th century Persian poet and Sufi mystic, Rumi. And the quotes are inspiring. It's really good. If you're not on the email list yet, definitely go to themysticshow.net and sign up for the email list, and you'll get the Relax with Rumi audio. You can download it. And um, and the emails are just every week. I just email out little tidbits behind the scenes about the show. Nothing major, you know. It's just good to be in the loop. You kind of get to see behind the curtain. Um, and real quick, thank you to Pause Your Life. They're our sponsor. They're our supporter. Pause Your Life is an organization which, which helps individuals hit the pause button on their life when you feel life is getting a little too crazy when when there's a little too much pandemonium <laughs> going on and you need to just get away well pause your life that's what that's for um the plan for this episode is we're going to start a new section 
of uh, our James Allen book. Uh, but before we start that, I have a couple things here. I want to thank... There's a, there's a handful of people who are supporting the Mystic Show uh, through the website called Patreon. And basically they're giving, you know, one or two or three dollars per episode to support the Mystic Show. Uh, just to help help me and help the show spread the word about these higher spiritual values. Uh, so thank you to those folks who have decided to sign up for Patreon and, and support the show with, you know, like I said, one or two dollars an episode. And I'll also have, it feels like I'm giving a lot of news this introduction, <laughs> but um, I we will be publishing a James Allen book in a physical copy. Uh, it's going to be Byways of Blessedness, and I'm finishing up the final preparations for that. Hopefully by May, we'll have the uh, the physical book Byways of Blessedness uh, by James Allen with a nice cover. It's a great book to have a physical copy on hand. And just have it there so when you you can reach to your bedside table and pick it up or or bring it to the park, sit in a nice chair and read. So by ways of blessedness, I'm I'm really happy about that. That's one of the books that actually inspired the creation of Pause Your Life. The whole organization was sparked. I guess you could say, by that book, By Ways of Blessedness. Um, we kind of had the idea already, but then we read that book and boom, it all made sense. So real quick, there's this little interesting story I want. I definitely want to read you right now. It was shared by someone in uh, in this certain WhatsApp group that I'm a part of. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to read it. You got to check this out. In a mother's womb were two babies. One asked the other, Do you believe in life after delivery? The other replied, Why, of course, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we are here to prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There is no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second said, I don't know, but there will be more light than here. Maybe we will walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe we will have other senses that we can't understand now. The first replied, That is absurd. Walking is impossible. And eating with our mouths? Ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need. But the umbilical cord is so short. Life after delivery is to be logically excluded. The second insisted, well, I think there is something, and maybe it's different than it is here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord anymore. The first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life, and in the after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. It takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second, but certainly we will meet mother and she will take care of us. The first replied, mother, you actually believe in mother? That's laughable. If mother exists, then where is she now? The second said, 
She is all around us. We are surrounded by her. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not and could not exist. Said the first, Well, I don't see her, so it is only logical that she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, Sometimes, when you're in silence and you focus and you really listen, you can perceive her presence and you can hear her loving voice calling down from above. Right? Isn't that an interesting little story? I thought that was really cool. In fact, I'm going to have to listen to this episode myself to hear that story. Very cool. So the book we're reading from, and we've been reading from it for the past, wow, 20, 25 episodes maybe, maybe more. We're slowly going through this book, and the book is called From Poverty to Power. It was written by James Allen, the famous uh, English mystic. Uh, the book was published in 1901. It was actually his first book, and it's one of his longest books, I think. So, it, which kind of makes sense. You know, your first work, you have a lot of time to work on it. So, and, you know, you're pulling from your whole life's experience all into one book, which is the first book. So, um, and the section we're going to start today is a new section, and we're getting close to the end. I think this might be the second to last section. It's called Saints, Sages, and saviors, the law of service. I'll read that again. Saints, sages, and saviors, the law of service. So I think if you're, if you're driving or doing something else or cooking or washing dishes and listening, keep going. But if you're, if you're listening to this and you have the ability to just sit quiet and close your eyes and relax and focus a little bit. Um, In my experience, that's the best way to uh, listen to these readings and absorb it. Um, Of course, you'll absorb it, whatever you're doing. So let's get started. Here we go. The spirit of love, which is manifested as a perfect and rounded life, is the crown of being and the supreme end of knowledge upon this earth. The measure of a man's truth is the measure of his love, and truth is far removed from him whose life is not governed by love. The intolerant and condemnatory, even though they profess the highest religion, have the smallest measure of truth while those who exercise patience and who listen calmly and dispassionately to all sides and both arrive themselves at and inclined others to thoughtful and unbiased conclusions upon all problems and issues have truth in the fullest measure. The final test of wisdom is this. How does a man live? What spirit does he manifest? How does he act under trial and temptation? 
Many men boast of being in possession of truth who are continually swayed by grief, disappointment, and passion, and who sink under the first little trial that comes along. Truth is nothing if not unchangeable, and in so far as a man takes his stand upon truth, does he become steadfast in virtue. Does he rise superior to his passions and emotions and changeable personality? Men formulate perishable dogmas and call them truth. Truth cannot be formulated. It is ineffable and ever beyond the reach of intellect. It can only be experienced by practice. It can only be manifested as a stainless heart and a perfect life. Who then, in the midst of the ceaseless pandemonium of schools and creeds and parties, has the truth? He who lives it. He who practices it. He who, having risen above that pandemonium by overcoming himself, no longer engages in it but sits apart, quiet, subdued, calm, and self-possessed, freed from all strife, all bias, all condemnation, and bestows upon all the glad and unselfish love of the divinity within him. He who is patient, calm, gentle, and forgiving under all circumstances, manifests the truth. Truth will never be proved by wordy arguments and learned treatises. For if men do not perceive the truth in infinite patience, undying forgiveness, and all-embracing compassion, no words can ever prove it to them. It is an easy matter for the passionate to be calm and patient when they are alone or are in the midst of calmness. It is equally easy for the uncharitable to be gentle and kind when they are dealt kindly with. But he who retains his patience and calmness under all trial, who remains sublimely meek and gentle under the most trying circumstances, he, and he alone, is possessed of the spotless truth. And this is so because such lofty virtues belong to the divine and can only be manifested by one who has attained to the highest wisdom, who has relinquished his passionate and self-seeking nature, who has realized the supreme and unchangeable law and has brought himself into harmony with it. Let men, therefore, cease from vain and passionate arguments about truth and let them think and say and do those things which make for harmony, peace, love, and goodwill. Let them practice heart virtue and search humbly and diligently for the truth 
which frees the soul from all error and sin, from all that blights the human heart and that darkens as with unending night the pathway of the wandering souls of earth. There is one great all-embracing law which is the foundation and cause of the universe, the law of love. It has been called by many names in various countries and at various times, but behind all its names, the same unalterable law may be discovered by the eye of truth. Names, religions, personalities pass away, but the law of love remains. To become possessed of a knowledge of this law, to enter into conscious harmony with it, is to become immortal, invincible, indestructible. It is because of the effort of the soul to realize this law that men come again and again to live, to suffer, and to die. And when realized, suffering ceases, personality is dispersed, and the fleshly life and death are destroyed, for consciousness becomes one with the eternal. The law is absolutely impersonal, and its highest manifested expression is that of service. When the purified heart has realized truth, it is then called upon to make the last, the greatest, and holiest sacrifice, the sacrifice of the well-earned enjoyment of truth. It is by virtue of this sacrifice that the divinely emancipated soul comes to dwell amongst men, clothed with a body of flesh, content to dwell amongst the lowliest and least, and to be esteemed the servant of all mankind. That sublime humility which is manifested by the world's saviors is the seal of Godhead. And he who has annihilated the personality and has become a living, visible manifestation of the impersonal, eternal, boundless spirit of love is alone singled out as worthy to receive the unstinted worship of posterity. He only who succeeds in humbling himself with that divine humility, which is not only the extinction of self, but is also the pouring out upon all the spirit of unselfish love, is exalted above measure and given spiritual dominion in the hearts of mankind. And we'll just take a quick little break to ponder that.
All right, welcome back to the Mystic Show. Uh, yeah, that reading was was just awesome. I actually just want to talk about what we read for a little bit, but just wanted to remind you, um, on the website, we have a lot of previous episodes, and we've had interviewed some great guests and everything, so definitely check out themysticshow.net. And like I said, if you want to sign up for the email list and get the audio of Relax with Rumi, it's really, really nice. My wife really likes it. So what we just read was great. I have a couple comments on that, and I wanted to let you know in in the rest of this section what he talks about, uh, which we're going to get to next week. Um, but this, I mean... I'm just going to read this again, this one tiny paragraph, because this is this is pretty big here. Men formulate perishable dogmas and call them truth. Right? Doesn't, isn't, <laughs> I mean, even religion in general is a man-made thing. Right? God didn't create religion, right? Man created it as some sort of organization or ritual or whatever it is, right? Um, the only thing God created is you with your soul and your body and your mind and, and he created the earth, right? That's about it. (laughs) That's enough though, right? But men formulate perishable dogmas and call them truth. Um, truth cannot be formulated. It is ineffable and ever beyond the reach of intellect. So this points out that on our spiritual journey, we really, really have to find a way to move beyond the worldly definition of truth and logic. I mean, worldly logic has absolutely nothing to do with spirituality, and it can't even help us at all. It's actually an impediment. So... So we have to be careful, right? Because when we're reading things and thinking things and, you know, we're, we're all progressing in a certain way and in a good way, um, but we just have to keep reaching higher. So that, to me, that little bit uh, that men formulate perishable dogmas and call them truth, that's pretty, uh, I might have to meditate on that, right? Maybe you, maybe you want to as well. So in the rest of this section, he's going to talk about a little more about how the saints and sages actually live. So we're getting toward the end of this book, as I mentioned, and you know what the author is covering now is like he's talking about when the saints and sages have achieved that, that highest level of truth or wisdom. So, again, we have to keep that in mind because maybe you and I are not at that exact level just yet. Um, So some of the things that the author says might sound different or weird or not correct, but we really have to, I mean, it's hard for us to judge, right? We're not at that level yet, so how can we judge? You know, if you go sit before a spiritual master, how can you judge him? Because he's so far ahead of you that we don't even know. <laughs> we don't even know. We don't even know. 
So that's the beauty of this humility of learning is that we're learning. We're trying to be inspired by these lofty thoughts and, and this, uh, these signposts that point to the truth. And, and in my opinion, these James Allen writings that we've, we've been reading from are some of the most helpful and uh, applicable spiritual texts that you can read. It's kind of spiritual text, but it's also self-help. And because in a way they're the same thing when we're, when we're trying to reach a spiritual goal. So, so I'm looking forward to next week and the next week, probably this, this section will probably take us three episodes to get through. But, um, he actually talks about how the saints and sages live, which is good for you and me, because then we can strive to live that way as well. And even if at first we're kind of going through the motions and, you know, maybe we're not quite there yet, but hey, it's good to to imitate, right? Think of a child, you know, I, my brother's sons, you know, he's had several sons and, and right around, you know, right around the age of three or two or three or four, they start, you know, they see daddy with the hammer working and they, they want a hammer and they pick up a hammer and they bang the wood because they want to imitate their father because they want to learn. They want to do it. They want to be involved. And, and the same is true for you and I, we want to emulate these spiritual, spiritually realized human beings, these people who are at a much higher level. Now we don't know where they are, but my personal goal is to first get to their level and then then I'll see where I want to go from there. <laughs> but it's probably going to take a while or maybe not, but it's going to take some effort to get to their level. So so thank you for listening. Um, this, this section was powerful. I mean, I, I could speak more about it, but you know, you, I think you have your own ideas and maybe if you can, you know, on the website, on the show post for this episode, maybe you want to write your comments or ask a question. Um, and maybe as you move through your day, you want to talk about some of these topics with your friends or colleagues, maybe at lunchtime, or maybe you're inspired to just write a couple notes down in your diary about these things, because there's one guarantee. If you spend time pondering these higher spiritual values, you will grow spiritually over time. So, so I wish you the best. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. And as always, as always in every moment, keep shining.